Are you exasperated or what? In this podcast series, myself, Tom Fox, along with Greg Greenberg, the author of Effing Argentina, explore the current American psyche being overworked, overleveraged, overtired, and overwhelmed. Find out more about the American exasperation with, well, exasperation. In this edition, the newest edition to the Compliance Podcast Network, a podcast where we unpack stories of exasperation from American life, from debt to PTA to television shows and even perhaps a tennis player or two. I'm your co-host, Tom Fox. And I'm Greg Greenberg, author of Effing Argentina and 10 More Tales of Exasperation. So this season on Effing Argentina, we're talking about exasperation. So each day, it's nearly impossible to complete a full day without lashing out at some object, animate or otherwise, that's causing intense irritation. So in today's episode, we explore exasperation with a tale of frustration at the often dreaded couple's dinner. Uh, Greg, I have to say there's a lot of you in this book and a lot of you in these tales. But when I read this one, I thought this one was perhaps the most uber autobiographical story that we've taken up yet. Can can I ask, is, is this autobiographical? Well, you know, as we said last week, there's a little me in all these different stories. Uh, and obviously we're dealing with a couple's dinner. So there's four people here and there's kids involved and I have kids. But I, I can't, I need to protect, you know, my friends and everyone who may see themselves a little bit in this foursome. So I need to protect the innocent and the guilty. I'm protecting everybody. So you have picked some really interesting topics that I think truly are dreaded, uh, and the couple's dinner is right up there at the top for, for all the reasons you mentioned. It's four people. You never know the dynamics. Usually one of the couples are, are better friends, whether it's the males or the females, and the others are tag-alongs. There's always kids involved, usually a babysitter or two. Uh, and if you're at, uh, the home, uh, if the kids are home where you're eating, you know, you have to worry about that. Um, this tale does not have the ubiquitous cell phone, uh, but it does have something else, which you have called the X plus one. What is the X plus one? So an X plus one personality is someone who basically needs to better you. So if you say, I had the best bagel ever, it's the type of person who says, no, 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 I had a better one. And it's not like it's a competition. If you enjoyed your bagel, that's fine. If you enjoyed your bagel, that's fine. There's no reason for someone to come in and top your bagel. Like if you have X, there's no need for someone to come in with an X plus one. Some, some things, there's just no need for competition. But there's some people who feel that everything has to be a competition and they need to win. Greg, I don't want to sound uh, prejudiced or even stereotypical, but most of us Southerners would tend to think of you New Yorkers as uh, all being X plus one. Is that a fair characterization? Is that unique to the greatest city in America or not? Well, in order to survive in New York, you need to be competitive. I'm, I'm, ju I'm just kidding. No, but I think that it's, it's a type of personality where they really feel the need to top you in, in anything, even if it's, it's some inane exercise. I mean, clearly there's competition in life, you, you know, but it's not necessary in a couple's dinner. It's not, it's not necessary in a lot of aspects of life. 
So you've worked in some some very competitive industries in your professional career. I have as well. Uh, why is it that we will tolerate that type of behavior in the professional setting, but not at a couple's dinner? Well, I don't even know if it's that tolerable in a professional setting, because in the end, you want your team, whether it be in a law firm or a securities firm or, or, or marketing team or whatever, you want your team to succeed. You want your product to succeed. You want your firm to succeed. And whenever you have someone who's in it for their own glory and who wants to, to rise above everyone else um, and in order to, to push ahead, push out other people down or make other people feel worse about themselves, that, that's never productive in the long term. Um, and when it comes to doing that a couple's dinner, you know, during our free time, it's so scant. You get so little free time. The last thing you really want to do is have to, is to kick back and have to deal someone, have to deal with someone bloviating or to tell you that if you went on the really great trip to West Hampton, for them to tell you that, no, 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 West Hampton's not a great Hampton. You need to go to East Hampton. Last thing you need. So talk about Jody and Joan. These seem to be, uh, once again, uh, what uh, a lot of people think of as stereotypical New Yorkers, New York wives, New York mothers. Uh, they seem to have a lot of similar experiences. Uh, what what binds them or bounds them uh, together so closely? Jody and Joan are two professional women in New York. And like a lot of professional women, they're striving to get up that corporate ladder. It's not easy for women anywhere. Uh, and they had children at the same time. And, and a lot of professional women uh, find that if they have children at the same time in New York, then they're going to the same Gymboree classes and they're going to the same restaurants and, and, and other type of classes. And they become friends. And that's actually how a lot of New York friendships happen, I guess, out of New York City as well. I'm, I don't know if I'm biased, but it's where I live. But that's how you see a lot of friendships take place is that uh, women meet after they have kids. And, they, and then there's sort of like a parallel lines where they become friends. And a lot of times the husbands get roped in and then eventually you may have a couple's dinner. So let me focus on each one of the wives now. Let's st start with Jody. Why does she blow up when uh, such people um, as uh, uh, Scott, uh, excuse me, David turn up in her life, i.e. the X-1s and, and pontificate so much? Well, she just doesn't have a lot of patience for an X plus one or someone who needs to top her if she says something. You know, once again, it's not easy for women to get ahead still in corporate America or, or on Wall Street. So they have to fight. And the last thing they need is a, is a mansplainer or someone to top them. Or, and uh, so she's very sensitive to that fact. So whether it's at work or out of work, if, if someone comes and has to best her uh, for, really for no need, you know, it really gets her going, and she has a really short fuse when it comes to that. So what about Joan? Uh, it appears from the story Joan is uh, uh, does not have any apparent character defects, at least not in this story. But is she completely oblivious to her husband, or does she love him so much, or just that's just the way he is? Well, Jody's husband, David, is a very nice guy, very mild-mannered, even-keeled Joan's husband, however, Scott, he's an X plus one. So that's what makes this particular couple's dinner so, so fraught and so open to both comedy and, 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 and uh, it's combustible. And, and Jody has been avoiding this couple's dinner for a long time because she knows how 
awful Scott is and, and how tiresome it could be to deal with an ex plus one like him. And she didn't want to really have this couple dinner because she didn't think it was going to go well because she knows she doesn't mesh well with that type of person. Sometimes it happens. Can't get along with everybody, Tom. Just can't. You and I can get along. Everybody can't. Yeah, but Scott's a, he's a trial lawyer. I'm a recovering trial lawyer. Trial lawyers are bigger than life. They have to be. If you're a great trial lawyer, you have a great personality. Uh, I'm sure you might even know some trial lawyers. Why, why, why should that change just because he's in a social setting? Unfortunately, he's not in a court of law trying a case. That's the problem, you know. If he wants to use hyperbole and, and be a, an X plus one and one-up other people in court, that's understandable. He needs to win the case. But if you're dining with another couple, I guess that it's time then to turn down the volume uh, on that particular aspect of your personality. And he's the type of person that can't turn down the volume. And he, in effect, he really does not know that, you know, that he's doing it, that he's always topping people. And unfortunately, Joan doesn't, doesn't stop him. Maybe it's one thing that she, maybe she's oblivious to it. Maybe she likes that in him. But either way, it's something that her friend Jody can't stand and that her husband does. Doesn't doesn't uh, create for a great night. So this was the first of the 11 tales of exasperation where you actually give instructional advice. And you give that, of course, in the form of storytelling. And that instructional advice is how to deal with an X plus one. So what was the strategy that Meek, Mild Man, or David employed, and why was it so successful? What David employed to, to calm down his wife so she wouldn't combust, and to put Scott, who was an X plus one, in his place so, so he wouldn't set his wife off, is he employed the strategy of using X plus two. So basically, if Scott said um, that he went to a good concert, David said, oh, yeah, I was at that concert, too. I was backstage trumping Scott's front row seats. And that really drove him nuts to the point where Scott backed off. So I have never employed that strategy. I've employed a different strategy. And I wanted to pitch this strategy to you to see uh, if, if it would uh, meet the, the green uh, Greenberg test. And that strategy was, uh, I've employed it a couple of times and it's when I'm either agreed to or been forced to have business dinners with people I didn't want to talk to. And the second time I did this, uh, we were walking to the restaurant and I told my wife, I looked at her and said, uh, I'm going to talk the entire night. Do not interrupt me period. And she looked at me and said, what? I said, don't interrupt me. And we walked in, we sat down and I started talking and I kept talking, and I talked through appetizers. I talked through the entree. Uh, I talked through dessert. I talked through a cup of coffee. And two hours later, we stood up and said, it's been great to see you guys. We've got to go. Um, would that strategy work, or is an X plus one really a different animal? You know, it's very difficult to tame an X plus one. I admire your strategy of just saying, you know something? I'm going to keep talking through the entire dinner, and then we're just going to pay the check and go. You have a you have a lot of moxie, Tom Fox. I admire that. I don't know if it, if it would work all the time, but hey, maybe I'll try that at some point. But you just got to keep talking in your strategy. Mine is is trying to use the X plus two. You know, if you top the person, maybe they'll back off, and if they don't, 
It's likely you're never going to have a couple's dinner again, which may not be a bad thing. Just let the wives have their fun. Let the kids get together. All four of you don't have to dine or go on vacation together for a relationship to work. So as always, we have a, a selected quote from one of the characters in the book, and it really ties into one of the themes that I really appreciated you touched upon, which was the X plus two solution can be expanded to multiple people. And the quote is from Jody. X plus two was the recipe for the end of couples dinners from now on. But Jody took that to yet another level. Uh, how did, uh, what was, I guess, the genesis of Jody thinking that? And then how did Jody really implement that strategy after um, David had really gone in for the kill on Scott? Well, I think... Basically, Jody realized the fact that, look, not all couples can work together. It's hard. You have four different people, and it's very difficult to get all four people on the same page. And so she admired her mild-mannered, usually even-keeled husband, who's not a braggart at all, all of a sudden becoming a massive braggart and putting this other gentleman in his place, knowing that it really would be the end of all social interactions, at least between all four of them going forward. And she understood that. And she, and she said, you know something, all four of us don't have to get, al to get along. As long as I get along with my friend and the kids get along, that's enough. Well, uh, thank you uh, again for joining us for this episode of Effing Argentina. I'm Tom Fox. And I'm Greg Greenberg. Thanks for watching, everybody. Join us again for our next episode where we uh, honor the recently completed U.S. Open by a story of Greg about a journeyman tennis player's prayer.